Hello everyone, this is Terry from Futures.io, and as always, I would like to thank you for joining us today. It is my pleasure to welcome back Futures Trader 71 for today's new webinar, CME Micro Indices, New Trading Opportunities. Throughout the webinar, if you have a question, please feel free to type them into the questions box. We'll do our best to answer them at the end of the event. This webinar will be recorded and posted on Futures.io website within 24 to 48 hours. If you're watching this afterwards on YouTube, please do us a favor and give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed the webinar. And as always, please feel free to share, comment, subscribe to the channel. It really helps us a lot. For trading news, events, and information, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter using at Futures.io. And now, without further delay, I will hand it over to FT, and you'll get the pop-up to share your screen again. Good afternoon, everyone from Chicago to the world. All right, you should be able to see my screen. Yep. Let me know good. if you're not. All yours. All right. So, first of all, thanks for joining us. It's a long day. It's been a busy day trading. Uh, some pretty decent movement, at least for my style of trading today. And. Uh, it's uh, it's in the afternoon, so if you can stick with us, what I'm going to do is try to blow through a lot of material that uh, I believe uh, you need to put together or have in order to explore this opportunity, this uh, this really important opportunity we have in front of us to to move on to these CME micro indices. Uh, but first, I got to tell you that derivative trading involves substantial risk of loss. It is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Today, here's what we're going to cover. Uh, we're, I'll just intro the micros to you. I'm sure you've received some emails or heard something about it, but I'll go through it anyway so that everybody's up to speed. Uh, we'll talk about what they are. We're going to do a comparison of uh, the micros against the minis. And when we're talking micros, we're talking about micro e-mini indices on the CME. Okay. Um, so we'll we'll look at cost specifications, um, and then we'll talk later about liquidity expectations, behavior on the open, on the launch, and everything else. Why micros are a key development for all traders. Expectations for when they're launched in May, May sixth, um, and then setting up to execute them properly using e-minis for homework, a plan template to trade micros. Well, we're going to offer you uh, just a boilerplate of the elements that uh, should go into your plan. Please don't trade without a plan. And then uh, the last thing is we'll talk briefly about anchoring uh, our trading on statistical probabilities and knowing our product. Okay, so that's what we're in for today. There's uh, spreadsheets and charts and things that I want to share with you. First of all, let's uh, just intro these uh, micro e-minis and what they are. Uh, remember, derivatives are highly leveraged, and uh, we're at a point with the e-mini indices where they're getting pretty large, right? The value of the S&P is the number of points that the price is at, which is uh, currently at 2930-ish, 2935, and multiplied by 50 because it's worth $50 a point. So each each contract, the S&P controls $145,000 worth of stuff. Now, if there's $145,000 worth of stuff in the S&P, uh, then traders are basically trading it at 366 to one leverage. So you can do the math in terms of one divided by 366. That'll give you how much a position in percent 
should move against you for it to wipe out your account uh, at $400 uh, per contract, okay? Uh, so that's, it's, it's too big, even though it's called a mini. Uh, the kind of, this kind of leverage means that the risk of ruin is extremely high, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'll show you a risk of ruin chart. And traders generally blow out before they work out their edge or figure out what trading is all about in the first place. It's one of the biggest problems that I've seen since I came on the scene about 11 years ago um, with traders basically not lasting. You know, they're doing all the work, they're coming in, they're, they're, they're doing the homework, they're attending these webinars and whatnot, and, uh, and then they're gone because the, the, the contract's too big for them. In 2012, I approached the, uh, the uh, CME, which is two blocks away from me here, and met with one of the directors and said, we really need a micro product, uh, bottom lunch. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there was uh, very little interest at the time. The exchange did not have that on their strategic plan or whatever, and it was kind of set aside for a while, although I came on to uh, Futures IO several times and talked about the need to push these to get to the exchange to get the exchange to build them. Well, guess what? About a year ago, um, uh, I, I came into I came into knowing that this product's on its way, and now it's uh, finally coming to market in about a week and a half. Uh, it'll be it'll launch on the May sixth session, which starts on Sunday night, uh, May fifth at six p.m. Eastern. It will start to trade. This is uh, still pending regulatory approval, but it looks pretty good. So what are, what are they consisting of? There are four new products that will be released. There's the Micro ES, Micro NQ, Micro Russell 2000 or Micro RTY, and the Micro Dow, um, uh, Dow Mini, so Micro YM. They will be trading at one-tenth of the, of the size of the E-Mini product. It's important to remember that. So, my voice is breaking up. Do you get that, uh, Terry? Is that correct? Let's see. Let me turn down my microphone gain a little bit. One second. No, the voice was fine for me. All right. Let's see. All right. So let's take a look at the specifications for the micros. I'm just you know, everybody's got access to this information, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, but here are the specs. Stretch a little bit, but here they are. Uh, you can see the, the S&P is trading at $5. It's a $50 per point um, uh, contract. The symbol is the MES. The official symbol is the MES. The contract size is the contract size is one and a quarter, uh, uh, one and a quarter uh, points. Uh, dollars per contract. It's trading at 0 0.25, uh, 0 0.25 um, uh, index point, the same tick size. Uh, so it's $1.25 per uh, tick per contract. Uh, and it's going to trade the same calendar. In other words, it's going to expire March, June, September, December, and there'll be a cycle of uh, five months. Just as the S&P is, it's financially settled, just as the S&P is and so on, okay? Uh, it, it's got the same expiration spec, so you really need to understand, we all as traders need to understand the specification for the product that we're trading, and, um, and, and this is it, right? So just basically take 
the same thing you know about the S&P, uh, the ES, NQ, RTY, and YM, and divide by 10. Okay. So what are the margin requirements? The margin requirements, this has not been released, but this is what's expected. Margins are not some random number. Um, margins are based on, it's a calculation based on volatility. It's the expectation historically, uh, and it's, it's consistently uh, adjusted by the exchange. It's the expectation that one contract would move that much in one session on an extremely rare move. So what the exchange, you know, the initial margin for the E-mini S&P right now is $6,930. And what that says is if you held one contract on the worst day uh, that is, is going to happen, I think it's three standard deviations uh, on a daily, uh, on a worst day, you, chances are you lose $6,930. And so that becomes your... Um, initial margin. So if the size of the contract is one-tenth, then as I said here, expected because it has been released, um, this, then the, the, the margin is expected to be one-tenth because the statistics will be about the same, 693. That's an expectation. It's not what the exchange has officially released. And the day margin, some uh, clearing firms have already released the day margin for these products. But this is the expected day margin uh, as it stands right now. It's expected to be at about 10% of the um, initial margin. Uh, so $70 for the ES per contract, uh, $80 for NQ, $40 for RTY, and $65 for the YM. Others have published you know, $50 and $40 and $25, but I don't recommend trading them uh, at that lower rate. As a smart, trader who's not interested in just churning and paying your broker a whole bunch of money for using a lot of leverage you don't need and cannot handle, frankly, it is smart for you to only access half of the initial margin. So whatever the initial margin that the exchange specifies, that's what you should be limited to by your broker. Uh, so you should not be trading more than, uh, for the S&P, you shouldn't be trading more than one contract for every $350 that you have in your account, for example. 693, round that up to 700, divided by two, $350 per contract. That's the smart thing to do. And I'll explain why uh, in, in a minute. Let's look at costs. Here's, the best way I can represent this is in a spreadsheet. Here's the cost. Okay, so we know the tick value is a dollar and a quarter. For the S&P, for the NQ, it'll be 50 cents. For the Russell, 50 cents. For the YM, 50 cents. The exchange is charging 20 cents per side. That's what the exchange is charging for. Okay. Then for non-members, you'll be paying a regulatory fee of 2 cents per side. You're already paying that. And then commissions are expected to be, look, I, I'm, I'm not your broker. I don't know what brokers are going to charge for this. But assuming a reasonable, uh, a reasonable um, commission and clearing fee would be 65 cents or so. So the approximate cost will be 87 cents, um, 87 cents per side. That's what ex it's expected to be. Okay, so around 87, 85 cents per contract. 
is where I'd expect this uh, this cost to be. Um, beware of somebody who's selling it really, really cheap. But um, that's that's likely to be the cost right there. Now let's compare that to a mini. So if we compare, if we take the cost divided, uh, take the the tick one one tick, and divide it by the amount the cost, we get a tick to cost ratio. The tick to cost ratio on the micro for the S and P because it's at a dollar and a quarter, and since all commission all fees are the same across the board generally, um, will be one point four four. That's the ratio of the tick to costs. For the NQ, it's 0.57. Okay, so you're basically trading, getting half the tick value for the cost. And, and in the others, it's the same because they all have the same tick value and they all have the same cost. Uh, so the S&P is a little more efficient to trade in terms of tick per, per unit of cost. Now let's compare that to what we would typically see in the S&P, in the S&P minis. S&P minis, $12.50 per tick, and generally it's $2.40 per side in cost, giving us a tick-to-cost ratio of 5.21. So here we are. We're going to now go up at arms and pull our pitchforks and whatever, and we are going to fight and argue that this is a ripoff. It, on a tick basis, it costs three times as much to trade the the micros, okay? And it's okay. It's okay that that's the case because of the purpose of these micros. The goal here is not to, to, to trade 40 lots and 50 lots and 60 lots in the micros. If you're doing that, then you're probably overpaying, okay? So the micros are not intended to be, they're intended to, to deleverage you somewhat. You know, to to have you trading futures, which means no mark to market, uh, no um, day trader pattern rules, pattern day trader rules like you see in stocks. Um, there's a efficient use of capital through leverage. You, again, it's not suitable for all investors. Uh, you have a a level market, meaning a an exchange that uh, does not take sides. You don't trade against anyone. You're not having to go through six different ECNs or whatever, and the cost overall of trading futures is relatively low. Uh, so you want to stay in the in the futures market. You don't want to go and trade SPY or or something else and participate in the S&P, but you don't have the money to reasonably trade um, the S&P because of the leverage. In other words, you're out there clicking away at $400 margins and paying whatever it is, $5 around turn or, so, or something, right? But what's $5 around turn? What's, what's the difference in cost? So I'm gonna make the argument for why these make sense cost-wise. There's a point where the overhead of a product, let's say the, um, the exchange puts out a product that has a one cent tick. Does that mean that the exchange, the clearing firms and the brokers can now operate for one cent, right? And charge you one cent and now you have a two cent product per, per side? It doesn't work that way. As the product gets smaller per unit, the cost goes higher. But that's not where people lose money. 
So I've been exposed to the brokerage side of things. I've seen how online traders trade, and I can tell you that your commission is not the problem. A commission on the, or the cost that is about three times in the micros as it is in the minis is not the problem. The problem is the fact that people are trading with $400, $500 leverage and are holding on to trades, losing thousands of dollars because they can't get out because they can't afford to lose, and then they're fighting for a five cent discount on commissions because they had a bad day. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. This is not a product that is intended for you to trade a lot of turns in and that that is intended for you to you know, become a millionaire in. It's a product that is intended for you to trade something that is sized to be reasonable for you to figure out what you're doing. Once you figure out what you're doing here with multiple contracts, don't trade 30 micros because the cost is too high. That's how I see it right now. What you do is you trade three minis. Your cost is acceptable because that's what you're that's what you are told. You're used to paying four and a half, five dollars a round turn, and that's acceptable to you. But you know, all of a sudden, if you if you trade a micro at the same price as a mini. Given this hypothetical quote, I didn't get any quotes from anybody. I'm just assuming that 65 cents makes sense in terms of commissions. That's lower than the usual 99 cents, $1.29, whatever that's charged for the minis. If you're, if, you're, if you're equalizing what the micro would be in the S&P, you'd have to multiply that commission by 10 times. So it'll be $8.70 a side for versus $2.40 a side in the minis. So yes, the cost is higher. The cost is higher, that's for sure. But that's not where traders are losing money. It's not that you're not, and if you, it is, let's say you're a trader that's making money and it's the cost that's killing you. That means that you're pulling too little out of your trades and you are over trading. That means you're scalping for a tick. If you intend to scalp the micros for a tick, I would say you have a poor business plan. But if you intend to get off of a simulator, have a real market experience, have some skin in the game. In other words, experience the psychological and emotional aspect of trading the ES, but you don't want to sit there and deposit $35,000, which is what I would consider to be the, the appropriate um, capitalization for this product for the e-minis, uh, then you go to the micros and you deposit $3,500. In fact, $3,000 is, is relatively reasonable for this product, for the, for the micros, $3,000. And so with $3,000, you can trade a reasonable number of contracts and still reduce your risk of ruin. You cannot do that with the e-minis unless you deposit 10 times the money. So the bottom line is, yes, I get the cost question. Yes, it, it's, it's when I saw that it was 20 cents, uh, whereas the equivalent S&P, the exchange fee is, a, is 11.6 cents. So 20 cents is higher. But I'm going to tell you that uh, from, from a person who's trading professionally and somebody who's been in the business for a long time, that's not what your problem is. The problem is not the cost of the contract. The problem is that, uh, most people are trading the minis, especially the NQ, which is a lot more volatile and therefore gets uh, a bigger 
um, gets a bigger margin requirement, and then they cannot let they, they're so tied up with winning on every trade that the losses accumulate because they're losing ticks, not commissions. And I'm not saying that out of conflict of interest of brokerage or anything like that. I'm just being honest with you and wanting you to think of this and look at this as a way to work out your plan live as opposed to going to micro FX or some other product or spiders or ETFs, uh, other ETFs or CFDs or something like that. Now you're trading the actual product on the exchange, regulated. Um, you're not trading against anybody. Uh, against the exchange, you're, you're basically being matched at the market. Uh, costs are higher per unit, but the goal here is for you to minimize the tick loss, not the cost. If you go scalping these and you keep swinging in five lots, it's going to add up. Okay? So... That is the cost structure that's expected, should be around there, 87 cents a side, potentially less, okay, uh, all in. It could, it could be less. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of competition to bring prices down and, and, and get people to uh, participate in this market rather than the e-minis. Um, I, I personally believe, based on my experience and be, having been a, a, a risk uh, manager and so on, I personally believe that even if I backed people today on prop, uh, they would be backed using this product. They would not be backed using the e-minis at all. They're going to have to demonstrate to me that they have an edge in the micros. At a higher cost, who cares? But at least they're showing me that they have a tick and net tick gain before I go and deposit more money and put them on the minis where they can earn a living if they have an edge. So that's cost. I'm, I've gotten hammered with questions about this in the past, so I wanted to be very, very clear about what makes sense in our business. Okay, so everybody knows what the cost is. So why are these important? Okay, I discussed some of those reasons. The, the reason these micros are key development for all traders of all walks is that the key struggles for learning traders can be listed as, and, I, and, and these answers actually personally come from a survey that I did with Terry here at Futures.io in one of our webinars, the key problem with trading futures is undercapitalization and over leveraging, okay? So now you need a 10th of the money to be able to trade. So this is a key, so we remove that problem for most people. The barrier to entry is now less, listen, if you are trading the minis for less than a full initial margin per contract, then you're taking a high risk. The percent loss per trade is too high for you to sustain a reasonable a career in trading. I'll show you why empirically, as I always do when I'm on here. This is a table that looks at if I took at a 32% loss, uh, at, at a 32% win rate, which is actually remarkably common. This is also the win rate of a one-to-one -one random coin toss in the market. It's about 30 to 35%. Try it. If we if we took somebody with a 32% win rate, but then we only allowed them to risk 1% per trade, they could get 380 trades off before they'd have to refund their account. 
before their broker says, we're shutting you down. Okay, you've reached $500 in equity, can't trade anymore. Okay, if we risk 2%, it drops to 211. 2%, look at how far it drops. If you risk 3% per trade, it's 146 trades before you're done, before you're ruined. If it's 4% per trade, it's 112. 5%, 90, you get the point. It's exponential. The, the less you risk per trade, the, pro, the number of samples or the number of times you get to bet, the number of chips you have to allow you to play becomes exponentially higher. And so this, this is one of the key elements of these micros. So we are now giving people the opportunity to be properly capitalized without having $35,000 or $20,000 or whatever, depending on how many contracts they want to trade. Big, big deal. Okay. So back to our thing. The secondary, the second uh, key problem for traders, inability to get out of binary trading due to size of products. So I have an account, you know, I've got $2,000 in it and I've, taking a beating trying to trade two or three lots so now i'm trading one lots until i figure it out oh man that is a difficult way to trade and i tell you even prop traders when prop traders start i try to get them to two lots as quickly as possible because being a binary trader which a lot of people are well let me pause for a second for those listening can you focus on the chat box in front of you and just say type in why or yes if you're a one lot trader, nobody knows, nobody will know. If you're a one lot trader, just type yes or why. It's a, I'm not going to name names. This is anonymous. It's a lot of people. Terry can attest to that. Okay. Trading in one lots is extremely difficult, even for a professional trader. I'll say it again. Trading in one lots is extremely difficult, even for a professional trader. A one-lot trade demands that you're accurate with entries, you're accurate with your assessment, and you're accurate with your exit. That's what it demands. So if you can scale out, and I'll show you the mathematics behind that, this is why you need a big, big, whatever, monster drink or Red Bull or whatever to stay awake through this stuff. It's really important. This is the nitty-gritty of trading. If you can scale out, now we can create a potential um, situation of asymmetrical risk where you can actually allow yourself to sit in a trade, where you can sit in a trade and let your, let your winners run a little bit, okay? So traders can now enjoy a low risk of ruin while they learn. This is the key um, development for traders. Uh, we've eliminated the undercapitalization issue. We've at least reduced it. We now can allow traders, and I'll show you the scheme for that, the trade plan for that, um, to trade more than one contract. So you're uh, getting out of binary. And whether you, and I'll show you the different ways you can trade multiple contracts, right? There's, there's, there are four ways you can trade um, multiple contracts. We'll go over that in a minute. And now you have the ability to scale out to secure risk. In other words, to fund a trade so you can let the rest of it run. I've been doing this for 19 years. I need to fund my trades. I'm a nervous trader until I get the fill for my first um, exit, for my first scale up. 
okay? Traders can now enjoy a low, lower risk of, uh, of ruin. Um, the crippling use of simulators beyond their intended purpose uh, is also a, an epidemic. I know people who have been, I kid you not, have been on simulators for 10 years. Customers that uh, used to watch Risk for and so on. Uh, and generally those people are do ask the most questions and, and do need the most support. And they are on simulators forever, forever and ever and ever. And I can tell you that being on a simulator is important. A simulator will help you. It, it has two purposes. One, a simulator is extremely important in helping you understand and become a master of your platform. So it's a way to make sure you're, you, you understand how to use your platform, your trading platform, whatever that is, and that to, to test your system, whatever that is, without putting live money at risk. So that's a primary thing. So how long does that take for most people? What's your guess? How long does it take to really know how to use a trading platform if you're simulating, banging away on a simulator every day? What's your guess? Yeah, I, I would agree. Some say two weeks, 30 days, two months. I say two weeks. If you gave me a new platform, it will take me about two weeks to figure out all the ins and outs and the trailing stops and OCOs and whatever else is in there, even if it's fancy. So beyond two weeks, a simulator is no longer really serving you. The second need for a simulator is if you're coming up with an edge that you need to test forward manually, a simulator is important for you to generate a sample size of about 50 trades minimum and to see if the in a simulated environment, which does not include how you get filled, which does not um, address the issue of uh, freaking out and closing things for a tick and holding on to losers, which happens live, you need to figure out your edge. So for a product like the ES, you need to have about a three tick expectancy over 50 samples to even, to, to even consider going live. And you can eke that out in a simulator. So that'll take a month or two to walk forward in a, in a real market, uh, your idea. That's the extent of a simulator's usefulness. Beyond that, you should not be on a simulator because you're just wasting time. And time is that commodity that we humans cannot recover. We can recover everything else, lose money, make it back, time we cannot. So the micros help us get out of that simulator thing and test live with true fills, at least later, once the product becomes liquid and has a, has a decent spread, uh, it tells us really how we would have gotten filled. The ability to move into a higher time frame without worrying about high margin requirements imposed by the exchange. So now you don't have to have $7,000 per contract in the ES uh, to to um, to hold some to hold a swing trade because you're a swing trader. It's 700 bucks on the initiating session, and then it drops to whatever 600 and I think it's 660 or something nowadays uh, to uh, to maintain that position. Maintenance margin for the ES is 630 dollars potentially per contract. That's much easier to swing than then $6,300 or $6,930 per contract, okay? The barrier to stay in the futures market has been lowered tenfold 
in my opinion. Again, this is not suitable for everybody, uh, but I think I expect that it will make people last a little bit longer to see their edge. What are the expectations for when they they are launched on May 6th? A couple things to expect for those of you who watched the launch of the micro uh, FX products. Uh, I did a live trade webinar with a gentleman called uh, Simon from the CME. Uh, and I set up a trade live, took it and closed it. It just happened, you know, 50-50 chance it happened to be a winner. Very popular webinar from when, when it was done. I believe it was 2013. Um, they're going to be very thin. They're going to be very, uh, the, the, the market makers, um, the liquidity providers are going to be electronic. So they're gonna, there's probably going to be a lot of flickering. Uh, there will be a lot of tracking. On the product, you know, it's just bid offers, just moving with price on the e-minis, but not much trading. The so it's going to be very algorithmic, and the prints on this product are going to be very sporadic. So it might go at the beginning. You're going to see that it might go five, six minutes without anything printing, just the bid offer moving up and down the page, without a single lot going off. We see this in certain products today. Uh, we saw it in the mini DAX when it was released, uh, and and so on, uh, and that's normal because nobody wants to jump in head first into a brand new product. Everybody wants to wait for the liquidity, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. At some point, people are going to trade it, um, and and there's additional risk at the beginning. Expect very low low volume of at least one month. It may take several months before we have good volume and a spread, a decent spread, rather than. Uh, the the S&P is a one tick spread. We may see three, four ticks on a spread in the in the micros. We'll see. We would want the micros to have about one tenth of the volume of the E-minis for us to consider them in full production. This is just a guess on my part, but I would expect that we would have about 10% of the volume, and it's not because it's one tenth, but you know the S&P um, is expected to have about 1.1 million contracts in a pit session traded today we traded 1.17 million in the S&P very much in line with the mode or the most expected value for the S&P on the pit session on a daily basis going back to 2015 um, if we can get this product to trade around 100,000 contracts a day I would consider it to be in full production now it, that may be a pipe dream who knows I expect it to be fairly busy. I would expect that a lot of people who feared executing in the E-minis will be much more bold and able uh, to reasonably trade with proper risk parameters in the micros. They now have a chance, and they are trading uh, multiple times the number of contracts because whereas they would have done one lots, and we saw a whole bunch of people here today who are one lot traders, uh, now you, you'll trade two or three lots. It's still not going to be as expensive as trading 10 contracts in the micros versus one mini. It'd be very expensive. Uh, but, you know, getting off of a sim and trading, and I'll show you why I chose three lots, uh, is, is going to contribute to that, uh, to, that, uh, to that volume. And expect, expect horrible slippage. And this is a point that people got lost when I, talked about this. We did a micro series at convergenttrading.com for the last three weeks. And I talked about how slippage works 
in these kinds of products and people kind of got lost a little bit. I'm going to try to cover that again today. Um, it's very important for you to know. So the next thing, setting up to execute them properly using eminis for homework. So I would not look at the micros for historical data. There will be none. I will not change my charts to have micros. If I'm trading micros, I'm going to watch the minis. My homework's going to be on the minis. My volume profile is going to be the minis, so on and so forth. Historical volatility to estimate the range, close to close, and so on, will all be minis. Okay, so use the e-minis for historical probability study and homework. Monitor the charts in real time using the minis, and then execute in the micros. And that presents a problem because even though the minis might be trading somewhere, you may not, the micros may not, okay? They may not be quoting the, the exact price you see in the minis. You might have to give up two, three ticks. If you go to market in the micros, uh, the minis may be trading at where they closed today. They closed at uh, 29.26. You want to short the micros, even though the minis are 26 even, you might get 25 half or 25 quarter. It's okay. As long as you're not trading for three ticks, it's fine. The goal here is for you to become an, an, an efficient trader and to execute perfectly. Again, our goal when we're learning to trade, whether prop or individuals, this is what I focus on at Convergent Trading now, is to execute perfectly. Whether you're trading a hundred lot or a one lot, well, not a one lot, a two lot, if whether you're trading cotton, corn, wheat, S&P, tens, whatever, the goal is perfect execution. No or low errors, and this product is intended to help us do that. Slippage on stops will be much worse than that provided by the E-minis for several reasons. The E-minis keep a tight spread, but I'll show you the example here. And uh, Terry, if you get a billion questions, let me know, um, and uh, and we'll try to address them. But let's go to. Unfortunately, the market is closed. But so I'm going to try to draw it on here and see if I can explain it to you guys. So this is the S&P, and I'm going to draw on here a scenario that I'm going to try to uh, drive home the point of how stops work. Okay, so the scenario that I'm going to talk about is I just shorted, let's say, 2375. Do you guys see the arrow here? All right, so I just shorted, so I offered, and I got filled at 20, imagine this is an active market. And I got filled. Um, I got filled this 23.75. Okay, and because I'm short, I want the market to move down, and so I might have a bid at 29.20 for my scale out, and I might have a stop at 29. Let's make it an even uh, number of ticks. Uh, 29.26.75. So I'm risking three points. Okay. So the market trades and it goes down and it goes up and it starts to move up towards my stop. Now I'm getting nervous, okay? And the market gets to my stop point. So now I have an offer here at 75 and I have a bid here. So we're imagining that these offers and these bids have moved up here. Are you with me? 
Okay. Your stop market is at 26.75. If do you think that you would get triggered once the bid gets to 26.75 and the offers at 27 even? Would you get triggered at this point? Would your stop get triggered if the bid you're buying, remember, would it get triggered? Let's say it's not a widespread. So let me ask you, what if the offer is up here? So let me clear the screen here a little bit. So you've got a, a buy stop sitting here. This is a buy stop at market, at market. So as soon as that's the market, you get filled. Let's say we're at 29.50 and it's 29 quarter bid and your stop to buy is actually below the market. Would it trigger? Should it have triggered down here somewhere, even with slippage somewhere here? Take a guess. I know you know it's a trick question. Some of you are saying no. Why? What is required in order for that stop to trigger? A trade. So if this market is so thinly traded and it starts to move up bah, 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 past your stop point, here's your stop on this chart. But then there's not a single trade that takes place. It's just bid and offered. Right? It's just mimicking what the minis do, but there's not a, even a one lot going off. And then suddenly somebody lifts the offer. A trade goes off at 29.50 or somebody hits the bid at 29 quarter. Guess what happens? You're buying. This is a buy stop. Guess what's going to happen? Right. You just got filled at 29.50. And if it moves far enough, because the exchange has, in order, in order to avoid flash crashes, the exchange has these bands that you have to meet. I think it's three points for the S&P. Don't quote me on that. But if it's outside of the band and you have a buy stop, the exchange may reject that fill. It may actually reject that as an invalid trade, and you'd have to go back and click again. But just because the market is quoting a price beyond your stop, that doesn't mean it should trigger. So don't go running to your phone, calling your broker, asking for a refund or a credit because their system doesn't work right because you put your stop at 20, 29, 26, 75 and you got filled at 29 and a quarter and there's a lot of slippage and you, you just got ripped off by your broker. That's not the case. The case is the market can quote all at once. Until the trade goes off, nothing changes. So what happens is this is an execution line. I have a bid-ask line as well I can add here. Hang on. So I can, I can turn on bid-ask. Okay. So the bid-ask is a green and a red line. As long as the execution line stays flat and the bid-ask keep moving, if that execution line doesn't move because there wasn't a print, you are not going to get filled. You got me? This is a risk. It's a dollar and a quarter tick, but it's a risk that we take as traders. Do you understand this? Most people aren't aware that this is how it works. 
a, a stop is triggered on where the market is trading, not where the bid offer is. Capiche? All right. Um, the data from for the micros is not likely to be reliable, and uh, and it'll be very sporadic at first. So just just it doesn't mean that it's a bad product. I I believe this is look. I've been advocating for this thing for seven years. I believe this is a strong product. It will be a strong product, and uh, to give it a chance, it just takes time. Let's now move to execution. Uh, let's move to execution about and talk about position sizing. Okay. How do you mitigate risk with the micros? This is the biggest advantage that we have trading the micros and that we're trading multiples. We can help mitigate the risk. Realistically, how much capital is needed to trade indices with a reasonably accepted risk of ruin? So that's a question we have to answer in our trading plan that we're sharing with you. Are you trading one lots? We don't have a, much of a chance to let things run. A one lot does not run, right? You might, you might train yourself to use a trailing stop or whatever and have a market that's running but we all know that the market doesn't run very far these days, right? The volatile is not there. As long as we're not in December or last February, a year ago, uh, things tend to retrace uh, pretty big, uh, like this morning's uh, drop in the S&P and a retracement almost back to the open before continuation. Um, and so with a one lot, you don't have a chance. Reasons one lot one lots are difficult. The one lot limitation already speaks to the fact that the account's probably underfunded. So you're trading one lots. Chances are you don't have a million dollar account while you trade a one lot. Chances are you're trading a thousand dollar account or fifteen hundred dollar account or seven hundred dollar account or worse, four hundred dollar account. Uh, this means that binary trades require precision, which is extremely difficult and elusive in trading. Binary trades provide no flexibility, no matter what product you trade. So how do we set this up? At one-tenth the size and the margin, we have the flexibility to trade more than one contract, which I encourage you to do. Again, this is not suitable for everyone, but if you're going to do this, you need to prepare your plan so that you're trading more than one contract. The minimum recommended size recommended is, in ideal circumstances, we'd have the following bullets in our trading rifle. Bullet means contract. We have one bullet that reduces risk. So we're trading, we have a plan so that we use one contract that reduces risk. And we reduce risk by taking a scale out uh, by a factor that's just short of what we're using for a stop. So I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say you use a three point stop in the S&P. I would scale out at two and a half points. Three, three point stops, 12 ticks in the S&P. I might have a 10 tick scale out. Okay, that's not really matching your stop, uh, but the reason we use three points is because it's expected that the market has to work a little bit to get through three points from your fill. But because it has to work a little bit to get through three points from your fill, we want to get filled on the, the exit, so we need to come short of that. So let's say the first bullet gets you two and a half points. Okay, now you're, you've got a second bullet and the second bullet gets you to your target, your initial target. So let's say I am short, um, I'm short the S&P, uh, the market had uh, broken down on a big move. I'm trading the retracement in the direction of the, the down move for a continuation trade. I'm going to, my key target now becomes the low made on the break move, 
this morning, that break move would have been down to 29.19 before the retracement. And 29.19 on the short becomes my target. That's my second bullet. So I've now gained with my first bullet, having taken 10 points, 10 ticks out, I've gained three ticks, uh, three ticks advantage, risk advantage on the other two contracts. And I'll show this, I'll show you this on the table. Okay. The second uh, contract again gets us our first target. The third contract is the moneymaker. The third contract is the runner. So once we get filled on two contracts, our risk on the third remaining contract is a lot better. Okay? Uh, and you can do this all in scale out, which is how I generally do it, unless I have confluence somewhere, or scale in, scale out, whatever your method is. There are many, many ways to skin this cat, uh, but that's how I would do it. Okay? So here are the different ways. There are four ways you can trade, right? All in, all out. That's essentially where you're stuck as um that's essentially where you're stuck as a one lot trader and some i know people who trade you know a 10 lot in the russell and they just go all in all out 10 lot i don't like that you can trade all in scale out that's what i use you can scale in scale out or you can scale in all out which means that you are taking on risk on the on uh, in an adverse move and you're pulling out a fixed amount when it does work your way. So this is flipping the risk, the asymmetric risk we try to create with multiple lots on its head. Not recommended. The biggest problem, since psychology is the biggest factor in execution, the preferred arrangement is all in scale out. Let's take our trade at whatever level we want, have a wide enough risk so we're not managing a, we're not quote unquote, slipping from a, a planned scale-in trade to doubling down and doubling down and doubling down again because we don't want to lose, right? So I don't like to scale in unless I see, hey, if it gets down to 25, instead of trading X, let's say a four lot at 25, I believe it can go 25, but it may still push to 23 half. So I'll take two at 25, and see if it pushes to 23 half. If it takes off at 25 and I don't have a chance to add, that's fine. I'm into contracts. Great. If it pushes through and gets close to 2350, uh, then I'll add two more. And it gives me a, an opportunity to take some of my risk off at 25, 26, something like that. Uh, but there has to be a predefined trade, uh, pre-planned trade at that uh, at those two levels. So Here's what the trade looks like, where I'm going to use a hypothetical trade. Let's say we're long three. All of us just bought the market at 28.9150. Our stop is 28.8850, three points. Our scratch point at that point is 28.9150. Okay, this is we're initiating the long all in. Then the market moves up to 28.94. So as soon as we're filled at 91.50, we put out our 94, 97, and uh, and the runner stays stays in our pocket. The third bullet just sits because it's a runner. So we put out 28.94.50. As soon as we get filled for one lot at 28.94.50, our risk has dropped three ticks. So this is the 
asymmetrical risk. We're reducing risk by taking profits because we entered at 91.50 and we improved it by five ticks. Isn't it easier to hold on with a runner or with the, for the next fill when we know that we are theoretically now long from 28.90 and a quarter instead of 28.91.50, right? So we're at 94. We just got filled at 94. So now instead of having a two and a half point advantage, right? We actually, on the remaining two contracts, we have almost a four point advantage. The market has to turn and move four points against us to take us out at a scratch. Okay, then we happen to have a, a be lucky because that's what it is. Um, we happen to get filled to 28.97. So now we have one remaining, one contract remaining. But once we get filled to 28.97, we've secured enough in the first scale out at 94 and an additional 12 ticks. So we have improved our scratch point or our theoretical average to 28.83.50. Wow, we're eight points better from our entry. Not only are we eight points better from our entry, guess what? We are actually almost 14 points better. We're 13 and a half points better from our second fill. And our second fill really isn't that far. It's just, what is that, five and a half points. But really, with the theoretical average, the way we work it and the scale out, we are actually. 13 points better or something, right? So 83 versus 97, 13 and a half points. The market has to turn and move against us 13 and a half points for us to lose all money in all three contracts. So in this situation, the market gets to 83.50. It turns around and it's it goes all the way back to our initial entry, 91.50, and we close it out. So we let the market go back 12 points and we scratch the trade with our runner. And I'll do that, right, to give it room. So let's look at that on a spreadsheet, if I can find it. Here's how the calculation works. Three lots long, okay? Our theoretical average is 28.91.50. We take one off at 94. We've just improved our, we locked in a P&L two and a half points, so we improve to 28.90, we take one lot more at 28.97, we improve our theoretical average 28.83.50. And so the average return, even with the scratch on the last contract, the average return becomes 2.67 points. We risk three points. We have an R factor because our runner, the thing that's gonna, remember I talked about your runner, the third bullet being the, the that contract, that gets you the good R factor. You need a high R factor. So once, once the runner comes back and it scratches, we get less than a one R, but we still made money, right? The general um, average, one of the key factors you need to take in here is, well, wait a minute. I'm getting in with three contracts long and then I'm scaling out, I'm taking partial profits, like why wouldn't I hold it to 97? Well, the thing is, when you put the trade on at 91.50, you didn't know, and there's no way for you to know that 97 is, is attainable, right? And so it just happened to work. It's random, it's luck, 
that's trading. You plan and you get lucky, okay, on every trade. And so, theoretically, and this is based on past performance, and that's not indicative of future results, most people who are trading a plan and have an edge do not stop out. So, do not stop out without a scale out for more than about 30 to 35%. So, the incidence of being filled and being stopped out without a scale out, without getting that risk scale out, is the incidence of, yeah, getting in and not getting that scale out and being stopped out on all three is around 35%. So it's worth betting that you're likely to get at least the first scale out to improve your risk. And then you can manage it from there. Does that make sense? Or is that like just a ton to take in? Uh, people tell me when I come on Futures IO, uh, they feel like they're drinking out of a fire hose, and this may be one of those instances. Anyway, we talk about this stuff a lot at Convergent. It's really important for prop. You know, when we're going through prop training, this is really the the nuts and bolts of it all. If you're not getting this kind of education from someone, then they're not teaching you how to trade, really. Psychology is the biggest stumbling block for proper execution. Our mind seeks to save us from the pain by waiting for more information. Most people just wait and wait and wait for confirmation, which means they get worse and worse and worse risk. That's what happens. The biggest psychological issue with loss is lack of acceptance of that loss. Okay? Trading a product that is one-tenth the size gives us an opportunity to just relax a little bit and experience the randomness of the market. The randomness is okay. A trading plan. We're almost done, people. A trading plan. Don't be a dummy, okay? Trading without a plan is a great way to fail. It's just difficult. This is why people say 80% or 90% of traders will lose, will fail at trading. Why bother? Those probably, it's because they come in, they don't have a plan, they're underfunded, they're not being watched out, what looked after, and then they go and close their account, and that's considered a failure because people don't plan. So make a plan. Sit down, make a plan for how you're going to trade the micros. Here's your opportunity to get out of SIM, trade multiple contracts, have a reasonable tick risk. You know, a bad day in micros, 30 bucks. Maybe 40 bucks is your daily loss limit. If you can't get it done in 40 bucks, then something's wrong. That's a lot of ticks on a three lot, right? 40 bucks instead of 400 and 400 again on a $3,000 account. Now you're risking. 25% of your account on every trade. 25% of your account gets you what? 25 gets you 19 trades in this scenario before you have to stop. 19 trades, you won't even figure out what your market is like. So you need a lot more than that. So now you can do it. So make a plan for it. We want to help you, so we'll provide you with a boilerplate for the minimum elements that go into a plan. Here's the URL to go get a plan, convergenttrading.com forward slash trading plan, convergenttrading.com forward slash trading plan. I created what is basically a, um, a plan that we would use for, for prop traders to put together their whole plan. And it doesn't tell you where to get in, where to get out, because that's what people want. People want me to tell them where to sell, where to buy. That's not what we're doing. That's not trading. That's just copycatting, right? You can just go trade, a, put your money into a trading system or something. 
We want you to plan your trades and trade your plan ultimately. Once you learn your trading platform, the move away from the simulator, right? So anchoring our trading on statistical probabilities and knowing our product. This is my last slide. Once you learn your trading platform, please move away from simulator trading. It is not helping you anymore. It's wasting your time. Go live on micro e-minis to work out your true edge and your psychological problems, of which there are many for everybody and nobody special in that way. There's no way to avoid losses. They are a fact of life. Accept losses. Posted a loss today. I took a short, market blew through, and then it ended up hitting my target, 29.15 and a quarter on a short. It's just a fact of life. You just, the quicker you can move past a loss, document it, mark how you executed the trade. In other words, trade score your trade uh, and figure out if there's an action item you need to do where an error was introduced or something, the, the better you will be as a trader tomorrow. Our goal as traders is to trade live, as to trade as many samples as possible. It's like flipping a coin. You're not going to get a 50-50 outcome on a fair coin flipping it three times. Not possible. Can't get the coin to land on its side, right? So in order to get to the 50-50 asymptote on a, on a fair coin, you have to flip it like 10,000 times for it to start to reach its true edge, right? So work out your trading platform. Go to your simulator to figure out what it is you're going to do, right? So that's that's a way to walk forward, test live data that's out of sample. But beyond there, you know, those people who are swinging 100 lots in a simulator, you're just wasting time. And that's okay if that's just something you like to do, you know, you like to simulate being a billionaire, cool. That's your thing. But if you're looking to become a career professional trader, which is my focus and has been since I came out into the public in 2008, then we need to move into trading a live market and then now dealing with the psychological issues associated with trading a live market. This is our goal. Base your plan on historical probabilities built on e-mini data. Make sure you have an understanding of your product. Understand when it rolls, when it expires, what that means, all that stuff. Here's what convergent is. Okay, there you have many choices, you have many places you can go to be taught, mentored, quote unquote, all this stuff. But really, I'm just taking my experience as a prop trader, prop shop owner, and so on, and really giving people at the at the low barrier of entry the tools and the and the support and the community and the feedback to come together. Uh, and that's what Convergent is, okay? That's all I have for you. Terry, what do we got? Okay, let's, uh, I've been trying to weed through this throughout, so let's, <laughs> let's see. Uh... I can really screw you up one of these webinars. How many webinars I've done with Futures IO and Big Mike? Probably... I don't know, 100? I can screw you up in one of these by just saying something political and just getting everybody to just write a whole bunch of stuff so you can't find the questions anymore. Oh, I, try, I went and deleted like all the yes and no's to try to weed through that as well. So. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
So um, there was a question on what the symbols are going to be. I know you had a slide that said like MES. Is that the symbols? Yeah, those are the symbols. Let me scroll back to that so everybody knows. They are MES, MNQ. They're right here. Okay, this is perfect. the spec sheet from the exchange's website. MES, MNQ. The RTY, which is the E-mini for the Russell, will be M2K because it has three characters already, and an NMYM. So it's the standard uh, symbol except add an M, but there's an exception for the Russell. Okay. Uh, okay, you went all through the commissions. That's all good. Uh, Probably answered a lot of these. I, I think so. Let's see. Can we get the... Uh, um, how concerned are you uh, that the introduction of the micros are going to impact the volume in the minis? I don't have any concerns. None whatsoever. The S&P minis are the most tr traded product in the, in the world. They have institutions in them. They're, they're meant for true hedging and arbing and all that stuff. It's, it's not going to be that much of an impact. I mean, if we grab 100,000 contracts out of 1.1 million a day during RTH, if we grab 100,000 and trade them in the micros, that won't make a bit of difference to the E-minis because the E-minis will trade anywhere between six, 700,000 on a light day to 4 million on a big heavy day. So 100,000, that's nothing. And 100,000, I think, is sufficient to get enough samples of trades to see the market actually auction properly because I, I trade based on an auction, based on volume profiles. And I don't think it's going to have any impact at all, to be honest with you. It's, it's a plus. It's going to bring a lot of people out of ETFs, CFDs, and whatever other stuff, micro, Forex maybe, who had to go there because their account's low. Now they can come back because this is their preferred product. This is the most popular product in the world, as I said. And it's going to bring a lot of people out of simulators. These people aren't accounted for in the volume. It's That's that's my drive. That's my goal is to get people off of simulators and to get them to really experience trading, even at, with a small account. That's the goal here. So I think overall the impact is net positive is what my bet with B would be. And I've been betting a lot for 19 years by trading. It just makes sense to me based on what we see. Okay. And I agree. I like, I, I've talked to you a lot about, I used to trade uh, micro uh, currencies. So to me, this is like great because the micro currencies allowed me to get, actually start trading real money and not SIM and actually got me to swing trade instead of day trading because trading for one or two ticks on the, on the micro was uh, nonsense. So, yeah. Um, let's see. So what was the number, what's the volume that you would like to see uh, in the micro? I think, you, you know how, you know how, um, if you look at uh, the canceling method or whatever, of trading stocks, you know, like those those um, ways to trade a stock, and they tell you if a stock uh, does not trade, um, if a stock trades less than a hundred thousand uh, shares a day, then you should uh, exclude it from your stock screener. At least this is when I used to trade stocks. Um, to me, 
about 100,000, which is about 10% of the current daily uh, RTH volume, uh, pit volume or active session volume for the S&P. That's, that's, to me, that would be my guess as to having an, a true auction. Like they, it's, it's trading enough for us to actually uh, participate in it. Uh, but you know what? That's just a guess. Um, and I'm not saying, hey, don't trade it until it gets to 100,000. You may be waiting a while for that. Uh, and this is for the ES, for the MES. Um, but I'm saying if we, if we can capture 10% of the S&P volume, I, I think we're doing pretty good. And I think my guess would be that because of the excitement about this product, my guess will be that we will get there fairly uh, quickly. So, um, so that would be the number that would tell me, hey man, these 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 are gonna be these are gonna be sticking around. These are a success if we can get to a hundred thousand per day. I'm sure the exchange wants a lot more than that, but it's that's just my guess. Do you expect the uh, price action to to follow the uh, mini? Because I know, like with the, uh, I used to trade the micro 6E and I would watch the 6E chart. So would you still watch the ES chart and just execute? in the micro or yeah absolutely i covered that it's it's um it's really um even with the micros when i used to talk about the micro fx as a product to get you away from sim and trading live um i used to always tell people don't look at the m6e chart it's going to be it's going to throw you off the volume is going to throw you off the price action versus volume is going to throw you off the volume deltas are going to be off the volume profile is going to be off so what i would tell people uh and even for myself when i was dabbling in there uh, i was never really a forex trader um i would look at the 6e i would look at the 6e i would decide on my pricing points and then i would go to the m6e and just execute there if i'm doing the micros uh, that's what I would recommend. I would recommend looking at the minis and then executing the micros. And there are platforms, I use a platform that allows me to cross trade if I want. It allows me to follow the mini contract and when I click, I'm actually executing in the micro contract. Do you believe that since they did microcurrencies, now they're doing the micro indices. Do you see them possibly in the future doing micro crude or micro bonds? Um, you know, I don't know about the treasury products, um, but I tell you what, um, I, I, I'm working, I'm, I feel lucky to be working closely with the CME now. Uh, good contacts, good people, really, really wanting the retail, no, I don't want to call it retail, but wanting the online trader to to have a solid crack at uh, at doing something with futures this is the exchange's focus this is why CME group active trader exists and things like that they're doing a good job of making that a possibility and what i'm going to do is after this is they're they've got their head deep underwater with this thing trying to launch it that the next thing i'm going to push is the micro crude um, the, the, the treasuries I think are going to be difficult to, to push, but I don't know, maybe they'll do it, but the micro crude would be a very, very interesting product to me as a, because, uh, the, the indices are financially settled. They are run by the underlying equities. The S and P 500 is represented by the SPX, which is a fictitious 
It's an index. It's a fictitious product, which is built on the accumulated market cap movement of the S&P 500 stocks, the 500 underlying issues. So it is operating as a financial instrument, whereas crude is a physical. It's delivered physically. And therein lies this complexity. How do you deliver one-tenth of a barrel of crude or whatever as a physical product? And so crude becomes this physical first physical product that is a micro. Micro FX, same thing. It's financially settled. Um, so I think crude would be a very interesting product. And crude would allow, I think, a larger segment of the economy to hedge more uh, in a more finite way. Uh, versus just hedging in crude oil futures. And remember, futures were created as a hedge instrument, right? You're you're guaranteeing, by buying or selling a contract, it's a contract. You're guaranteeing delivery of a product at a certain point based on the final settlement price or based on the price you bought or sold it at with a, a specific specification as to the quality and the exchange guarantees it. Uh, so these are hedge products. I think crude would be an awesome addition, but let's... Let's let this get out there. It took seven years. Let's get this thing going, and then we'll discuss crude, uh, micro crude at, at some point. Okay. Uh... That's true. Uh, gold does exist. Yeah, I forgot about that. Micro gold. Good, good call. Oh, I didn't think, I, yeah, I didn't think about micro gold. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't trade it. But it's true. All right, I, I got through all the questions. I think you covered most of them already and what I've asked. So uh, thank you for the webinar, the information, and for uh, spending some time with us this evening. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And, and guys, I, I tell you, if you're not someone who is already consistently, and I'm talking about confidently coming in and knowing that you can either make money for the day or at least protect your risk so you can come back tomorrow. If you're not doing that already and you're doing it in the minis, I strongly suggest you keep a very close eye on the micros and to trade them. And if you're on a simulator, trade them, okay? Uh, I think somebody posted what was the URL again. The URL for the trading plan is right there, convergenttrading.com forward slash trading plan. And it's just a boilerplate. Um, Convergent members get a more detailed filled-in plan, uh, but that's proprietary to that uh, to that group. Uh, thanks, Terry, for having me on, and hopefully you all kind of got all your questions answered and are exci as excited about this product as we are. Have a good night, everyone.